Zach, we're about to get started on Don't Ask Tig, which I'll have you know that even though we didn't win, was nominated for Best Comedy Podcast. They have this new audio awards thing called the Ambies. It's supposed to be like the Emmys, Oscars, Tonys, except this is the version for audio. That's why, by the way, it's why I said yes. I, the- I figured. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> It was, it was, I, they had called me in advance and said that was going to happen. So I was like, okay, I'll definitely do it now. Yeah. Word's gotten around about this nomination. This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm told that's a reference to 300, directed by oh, Zack right, Snyder. Oh, right, 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 It would have been. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, coming from you, it didn't hit me directly, like, as a... How, how does I it see, normally go? How would it it's normally go? like, this is Don't Ask Tig. Slight okay. Scottish accent, because Gerard Butler has uh, a little Scottish. This is... Don't ask Tig. I'm not, I don't do accents, but. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. All right. <laughs> you just did. So. <laughs> Today we are so excited to have filmmaker and all around great guy, Zack Snyder with us. Zack has directed films like 300, Batman versus Superman, and a movie so highly anticipated. It's already a franchise without anyone ever seeing the thing. Maybe we shouldn't watch it, you know, now that it's no, so no. successful. It's co- <laughs> it might be cool just to say, you know what, we, we won that one. Let's move on to the next film and just never really have to look at it. It's exciting. It's Army of the Dead, and it's coming out on Netflix uh, May 21st. Welcome, Zach. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and excited to have you in my much-anticipated film, Army of the Dead, and have you be an action hero, which is fun. Yeah. I know that people say after a lot of productions that they're on that they had the best time or, oh, it's like a family. And But I really, really had such a blast on that shoot, and it was such a crazy, <laughs> crazy experience. Could have gone in any which way. Uh, well, and it went in an amazing way. And it, well, I guess you mean in the sense that we were in the pandemic, we're having to do this sort of weirdly technical thing. And yet I feel like it was, we all just kind of meshed together and did this cool thing. Yeah, I was replacing an actor who was removed from the film. I was green screened in and I had never done that before. I don't know if anyone has. We sometimes put someone in a shot that we don't have, whatever. But at that level that we were doing it, where it was literally hundreds of shots, maybe in this shot, you're in a close up. And sure, I get it. And you're saying dialogue, but it's an ensemble. So we also had to replace you in shots where you were just listening or in the background. So it was very technical, but it was it was I had a great time. Yeah, I was I I remember telling you at one point that because I was the only actor on set for well, almost three weeks. And I started to have moments of feeling like I was the star 
of this action film because there was nobody else around. <laughs> and it came over me and amused me so much when I realized that not only are you filming close-ups of my face, you are filming me blurred out in the background. And it really cracked me up when I thought about what I was picturing at one point and then realizing what the reality of it was. <laughs> and, and look, that is true. That is true. But <laughs> I do think also you do make a really big impact in the movie and you're really great in the movie. So, Oh, so. that's nice to hear. Um, I was You're great out of focus and in focus. You did both seamlessly. Now, obviously, we've been in the middle of um, feeling like we're living in apocalyptic times. Mm -hmm. And with your experience directing zombie movies, do you have any advice for surviving a zombie apocalypse? I always love that question. Like, what do you think? Like, how do you survive a zombie apocalypse? This is a famous story I always tell, but it's, it's, it's appropriate because it has to do with the difference between movie zombies and probably what real zombies would be like. I don't, I'm going to mm -hmm. speculate, yeah. but um, I was working on Dawn of the Dead and there's a scene in Dawn of the Dead where the team runs up a staircase and the door is locked and they're being pursued by zombies and the zombies pause at the bottom of the stairs and, you know, like there's a dramatic moment and then the zombies mm -hmm. attack. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of the executives, when I showed it, said, um, I don't think zombies would really do that. <laughs> and I go, what? And they, I don't think they would pause like that. And I said, you know what? In real life, they wouldn't. That's true. But in a dramatization, you see, we want to make, I wanted yeah. to make, I wanted to feel dramatic. <laughs> so I did, it's not like a documentary in that case, right? right? I, I had the job, zombies stop. And I think that that is my advice is that the zombies wouldn't stop. So all the things that we see in movies, pretty much in regard to what a real zombie apocalypse would be like, uh -huh. is kind of, you know, people love zombie movies and zombie mm -hmm. things. I think yeah. in real life, it wouldn't be cool at all. <laughs> it would be very, it would be horrible. It would be really people, bad. Dead people would literally be walking around. It's not funny. It's not, it's the worst it's it's a really horrible thing, and maybe that's why we like it because it's it's kind a bad of, situation, and you better get out of town. Yeah, you're a dark character if you're preparing for that. I guess like you got to stab them in the head. That's the other thing I always find really funny about because I love that trope that the only way to kill a zombie is to shoot it in the head. Yeah, which I'm like, okay, I guess that makes sense. There's a brain, but the brains not really work. I don't know. So I'm like, okay, great. I love it. So stab yeah. it in the head, shoot it in the head, got to go over the head. So it just really makes a horrible situation worse because there's a dead person trying to kill you and your only alternative is to confront it with like a sharp object in the face, in the head. It's horrible. Yeah. It's really, I don't know. Well, my yeah, my wife, Stephanie, and my, my boys who are four and a half, they both a couple of days ago were asking me, what zombies were. And I was realizing when I was trying to answer, because I thought I knew what they were, but when I was trying to explain what a zombie was, I, I don't know what a zombie is. I, I understand that they are the living dead, but they're, I think that's where you just kind of have to go with it because my sons were like, but they're, <laughs> they're dead. And I was saying, yeah, but they're alive. Yeah, but they're dead. 
And it was truly just a couch in my living room of three faces looking at me, basically like zombies, just staring at me. Yeah, like you're like, that. you guys are doing it right now. This yeah, is it. yeah, this is exactly what it is. <laughs> you, got, you do yeah. get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Quit and, it. And Stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what do you suppose drew you to zombies and this genre? I was, uh, I've, I've always been a fan of um, the original Dawn of the Dead, George mm-hmm. Romero version. Mm-hmm. I was before I got an opportunity to make that movie. And um, I really, that movie is considered incredible social commentary. It deals with like mass consumerism and um, what was the beginning of like that world where we would go to malls and we would shop that way. And that Mm -hmm. was the way our world was created. We became consumers you know, and we were no longer like mom and pop was gone, like brick and mortar Main Street was on the way out. And so I felt when I did Dawn of the Dead, I thought, okay, well, this is really cool. Like we've, we've evolved and we, and mass consumerism is actually has done damage to us. And it actually is that commentary isn't, hasn't ended. And so I felt like it was an important genre. And now I think, you know, Army is, it was funny because when we were doing Army, we had, we didn't know there would be a pandemic when we originally shot it. Mm-hmm. And so we do have like, it's all about quarantine and taking people's temperatures. It's crazy. You sent me a cut of that original one before I was in the movie and I could not believe what I was watching and how many things were relevant and and real and existing as I was watching it. And I was also just blown away by the film and the opening of the movie. I've watched that so many times. I've gone back in and watched that opening. It's so incredible. It's cool. The thing I thought was cool about you doing the movie was it's a rare thing where you get to watch a movie. You know, like normally it's like kind of a leap of faith. I mm-hmm. I tell you about my script and it's going to be really cool. Yeah. We're going to make all these great shots. And you're like, yeah, okay, sounds sincere. All right, I'll go with it. But this uh-huh. was a cool, like, because you were like, oh, the movie seems pretty cool. Oh, yeah, I'd like to be in that movie. And I'll say that it was really fun putting you in the movie because you made the scenes your own. And it's incredible that experience as a filmmaker to have a scene and then have you enter the scene and just almost like it's in real time, change the tone and mood of the scene and keep it. And it's funny. And it's all these things that I couldn't have imagined that it could be made that way, but it, amazingly, it, it works, and it works so good. Well, I can't wait to see the new Zack Snyder cut of Army of the Dead. All right, Zach. so are you ready to uh, dispense some wisdom? We don't have to give good answers, just we just have to give answers. Okay, let's try it. Maybe I, I, it's a skill set I think I have, but I probably don't. So that's... I bet you do. All right, here we go. Here's the first question. Supportive but scared, writes, my boyfriend is a delight and also a huge horror movie fan. I'm Mm. a very anxious person who doesn't need any additional nightmare fuel. He has a passion for the genre and reviewing these films has even become a portion of his work as a freelance writer. 
This is all wonderful. However, he gets so excited about these films and wants to tell me about them in detail and show me clips. It's great to hear someone you love talk about something they love, but the often gruesome and tragic details stick in my mind and really bother me. How do I support my partner in his passions while also protecting my own midnight movies? Wow. Yeah. That's a serious question. It's a tough one. Yeah. I mean... I have to say, when I, I'm not a big, gory, gruesome person. And when I started watching Army of the Dead, I thought, oh gosh, I don't know if I can do this. And because there was such a story there that hooked me in, I could get through. And as I mentioned, love the film. But it's tricky. Yeah, I don't know. Like, for me, like, I'm not a huge, like, if something's really psychologically troubles, like, I'm, I don't have as big a problem with, like, a gory movie that's mm-hmm. not really that great. Cause yeah. I'm kind of, I've seen it all. So I mm-hmm. kind of understand, like, I know how this sausage gets made. So it's not, you know, that. But when it's really well done psychologically and it's troublesome, it's upsetting, you know? And so I, I would understand that. If that was the thing you tried to avoid, and then suddenly your loved one was like, look at how awesome this is, you know, I could see how it would be problematic. You know, I, I, I think that you just have to be honest, I guess, in the end and just say, you know, I love you and you're amazing and I love what the, your passion is so intense, but it's hurting me. It's, it's yeah. making me, I can't sleep. You know how I think we can help this couple? is um, he's likely a fan of yours, Zach. So supportive but scared. Why don't you tell your boyfriend that um, Zach is on your side and that um, that he needs to be the delightful boyfriend that he is and maybe watch with his friend. or yeah. um, Or maybe you can, I know, you could read his review. That since he's writing these reviews, that's you being supportive and taking an interest in his interests and passion. The good news is there won't be any spoilers in the review, so it'll probably be really easy to read because, you know, by its nature, it's not going to include the things that you naturally would find scary. Right. And so he should give you this pass because you should play this episode of Don't Ask Tig for him. And Zack Snyder talking about him right yeah delightful you gotta be you gotta be you gotta be more sensitive that's it that's right straight from Zack snyder's sensitive mouth right yeah all right well supportive but scared sweet dreams more questions coming up after the break If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. You can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos. And even stack deals on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. 
Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hello, Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in The Good Place or from She-Hulk or from social media and my activism. I Weigh basically started as a social movement and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise. People like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Roland, and more. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, we are back. Zach, when I introduced you at the top of the show. I referred to you as an all-around great guy. And it's I think it is so true. I just I talk about you a lot since working with you. I think you're really tremendous. And this next question is really going to test that. <laughs> a lot of pressure. Pressure's on. It's fine. Stevie writes, "My 4-year-old just started preschool this year. Her school and teachers are wonderful, but The amount of artwork they send home has put us in an awkward position. Self-portraits and landscape scenes are wonderful, but the random popsicle sticks glued to the back of someone's old Google map printout, what am I supposed to do with that? If we throw any of these less than masterpieces out, we feel guilty because our daughter is so proud. We have tried to explain to her that we can't keep everything, but she just doesn't buy it. What's the best way to handle this while both honoring my daughter's budding artistic passion and not cluttering up my house? I just dealt with this situation today. Mm. I think, listen, you know, I have seven children. Well, I raised eight and all of them were incredibly artistic (laughs) or they thought they were. And so (laughs) there was a lot of art uh, that came home. And I really do think there can be a limbo period for a popsicle stick on the, the Google Maps. There, there really is a limbo period for that where you could have a file that's on its way out. That's not staying. There are yeah. things you look at, you're like, oh, yeah. my God, I love this. And that's real. If you feel, look, at in the end, you need to kind of use your distant thought about like, in five years, mm-hmm. am I going to think this is awesome? You know, because... If I think it's awesome now, when I show it to him in five years, I'd be like, you did this when you were like a, a ch- like so, you couldn't even speak. And you, look, what you, <laughs> look at you, you're a genius. You know, you have to sort of put a little bit on your, your art critic hat, a teeny bit, because I know you don't want to do it with your own child. You want to be like, everything they do is genius. Yeah, there's some really great pieces. I mean, you must have so much artwork. Uh, it's insane. I, I know you have a lot of kids, but really thinking about it and how many art projects you've had to wade through. I think having a file is a really great idea. And you can also have the kid maybe file the artwork in there for you and with you and then behind their back toss out 
the Google Maps with the popsicle sticks, and they're never going to remember it. It's here's, true. It's true. Here's the other thing. That, never and I, I truly, I'm not just saying this for the show, but today my wife is ready to toss their art more easily than I am. And so what I asked that we do, which really was a problem solver, is I said, just anything you want to get rid of, just bring it and put it on the chair in my office. And I am going to send it to my brother and my stepfather because nice. nothing would make them happier. And that's that's an yeah. amazing solution. Sort of gifting the art to the to, to grandfather the and uncle relatives who want yeah. a little bit of yeah. contact. Right. And so let them sift through it and then they get to throw it out and you don't you don't have that guilt. There's also this other idea that I love. Maybe frame the best pieces and then the second tier pieces uses wallpaper. I'm a huge advocate of when you see uh-huh. something that strikes you hard and you think, wow, yeah, frame it. Because actually mm-hmm. the child sees that and, and that level of acknowledgement by you makes them go like, in a lot of ways, it kind of, I think, you'd think it would make them want everything else at that level, but I think they, to me, my experience has been that they kind of don't care about mm-hmm. the ones you threw away when you have one that you that you covet. I think we've given Stevie a lot of options here with with art. Well, we're like, this is our, <laughs> this was a very deep dive we just took on this answer, which I think is, I think a lot of people, it's a, it's a, it's a common issue. It, it really is. And I, I'm neck deep in it with two four and a half year olds right now. So Stevie, thank you for writing in. All right, Zach, next up, we have an audio question. Meredith called in and left this for us. Hey, Tig, this is Meredith. I'm a huge fan. I recently lost my sense of smell due to COVID. And I can't smell my own body odor. And I'm wondering if you might have any suggestions for my fiance for how to let me know when maybe I need to freshen up. Okay, so Meredith, this is one of those questions that always confuses me. I don't know if I get too comfortable with my spouse, but I can't imagine not being like, hey, oh my gosh, you smell ripe. Yeah, shower. Yeah, or uh, lift the armpit and rub a little something under there. But um, yeah, yeah, you smell (laughs) like a steak sandwich. Now, are you and your wife pretty open like that? Oh yeah, absolutely. She would be like, (laughs) "Okay, wow, you go shower." Yeah, I can't be in the room with you until you take care of that because it's too much. In the mornings, um, Stephanie and I have a joke that the crap fairy visited our mouths. <laughs> so, <laughs> Meredith, that's who you've oh. written in asking advice on how your fiancé might let you know. If if you were my fiancé, you would know. know. I would likely tease you quite a bit. And, I, and I'm going to say, sorry that you got COVID and that that happened. That's horrible. But I will say that a lot of people... Even without losing your sense of smell, you kind of don't 
feel like you stink when you do. You're kind of like, I, I think I think I smell pretty good. And they're like, no, you don't. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You, the, the, the sense that you will tolerate from your own like body is, is, is so disgusting when you consider somebody else reeking the way that you do. A hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, and the other problem for us during COVID has been, you know, my shower schedule, I'll be You're honest. You're going easy little, on it. Yeah. I'm I've been around less, you. You, you, uh, yeah, you, you were a little water. stinky on set. Right. Yeah. Also, when I'm holding cameras and I'm, you know, I'm, you know, yeah, that's probably it, it with me showering in there. It so. really stunk in there. <laughs> yeah. It's like a locker room. But yeah, I, I, I want to echo that. I, and I should have acknowledged that right out of the gate. I'm sorry that you had COVID and that you've suffered from this in any way. But I would tell your fiance to just be like, hey, you stink. Or maybe you could start using what Stephanie and I use, which is, did the crap fairy swing by in the middle of the night? And it makes us laugh. Yeah. Nobody, Nobody's feelings are hurt. You're human, and you're, you, you stink. I yeah. know right now, Meredith, wherever you are, you stink. And you need to go take care of that, okay? And, um, and I don't think you and your fiancé should be uncomfortable to share that. Can make it romantic sometimes and be like, hey, help me, you know, some kind of, I mean, you guys are yeah, still. Scrub me up. That, scrub me yeah, up. Yeah, scrub me up. Just because, you know, you're, in the, you're still in the fiance, you know, realm. Let's hope you keep that up. I'm, I, like, I like a little spark in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the call, Meredith. And hopefully you and your fiance figure something out. Uh, Zach, we have one more question. Okay. You ready for this? I'm You're doing great, by the way. You're doing great. It's a, it feels good. I feel like I'm, we're, we're doing good. We're helping people. Yeah, yeah, we're helping like, people. We're helping people. I, people I are out like there needing help. Ashley writes, I feel the constant daily pressure to drink tea. The problem is I hate it. I've never understood the hype, and I think it tastes like toilet water. I also work at a shop where we sell various teas from all over the world, and I have to appear excited about it. What are some good excuses for passing up this overrated cloudy water? Well, I think the obvious thing to say is tea is not my cup of tea. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's kind of, you kind of closed it. It's sitting right there. Also, I would say, and I don't know if this is okay, Mm -hmm. I'm about to suggest I might be the most this might be tea faux pas, mm-hmm. but is honey an option? Is that a thing you could enter into the equation? Well, or is that? I I mean, that's for purists people. Would be mad. People could be mad, but also as a hardcore vegan like myself, oh, I can't get behind it. I can't. I can't encourage. Okay, how that. about some agave? Uh huh. That's an option. Also, I'm sensing that this is a listener that just wanted to write in. I mean, it's a bit of a shtick, I'll be honest, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're Zach and I are in here solving real problems, and Ashley is writing in trying to pretend like she's really feeling the stress that she has to drink tea. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley, come come on. on. I have tea right over. I brought some tea down. To this. Oh my gosh. Well, Ashley, Ashley's not going to be barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. And also, how do you know what toilet water tastes like, Ashley? 
That was one of the questions that crossed my mind when you were talking about how it tastes like toilet water. Um, It's not too far off. So that's a bad thing. Yeah, it's not to to taste like toilet water. Yeah, toilet water tea. (laughs) Maybe that's what you should do, Ashley. Start your own business. Since you work at a place that sells various teas, you should start. That would sell like crazy because people would think you have a sense of humor, which you do. And um, I would buy tea that said toilet water tea. It's an honest. It's an honest tea. Let's be honest. It's it's a very honest. Yeah, like you're having you're you're what you're doing now is just being. This is how I feel. I made a product based on my own passion. It's got to be a blockbuster. Her pa- assuming her passion is toilet water. I was just assuming that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I it's not a, It felt like it was slipped in, but it also felt like it was very. It felt like the whole thing was written to get to the toilet water in a way. So I just well, or to get her question read on the show. It worked. It really did. My producers grabbed this and slapped this right <laughs> up on my screen. And here I am on my nominated podcast. I'm reading about toilet water tea and Ashley feeling pressure to like it. And I hope, um, I hope she's smiling at us right now somewhere. But what are some good excuses for passing up the overrated cloudy water? Again, tea is not my cup of tea. I feel like I feel like that's a good answer, right? It's a great answer. No, it's a great answer because it, it does two things. It, it's not cutting, so you're not belittling the tea, but it's also kind of a fun answer. So, mm-hmm. you know, everyone kind of smiles as they walk away, hopefully. And as they're walking away, say, I have to give Tig Notaro credit. That was her joke. Yeah, you better give, you better give yeah. credit. And there might be listeners that she's saying that to. You know what I mean? Uh, well, that would be ideal. If yeah. She said, tea is not my cup of tea. And they were like, called her out going like, okay. Don't ask we, Tig. Uh, Zach, we, yeah, Zach right. Snyder, got uh-huh, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Very good. Very good. Zach, those are all of the questions that came in. But there is, before we leave, there is one more thing we have to do. And it's name... That thing. Name that thing. Name that thing is where we help people with their naming conundrums. We've named everything from a dog to a farm on this show. Oh. The only catch is that the listener must use the name we came up with. Okay. Are are you ready to do that? Yeah, what are we, what thing is it? Maria writes saying, we just moved into a new apartment and are setting up our Wi-Fi. We need ah. to establish our Wi-Fi name. Well, my Wi-Fi here at the house is um, ZachNet. ZachNet. <laughs> and I didn't name it. So, and I'm not a big fan of that name, but I'm just saying that I what Was I it don't your assistant? Like, it was. And what I yeah. don't like about it is it has net in the name. So it has like they made it technological, you know? It sounds mm. like ZachNet. sounds like Skynet. sounds like something from, you know, Terminator, I, yes. which I don't which I'm, I don't like. Yeah. The difference is the password, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, I guess what she's asking is when I get there and I look for a network, right, on my phone, I would see this thing, right? That so when it comes up, we just, just to give it some context, right, it's going to be... Like, it's going to say choose a network, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
I mean, hence my assistant saying ZachNet was the thing, but that feels too on the nose. Yeah, I we have have a cat, and then we got two more kittens in the pandemic because why not? We're home with hands ready to pet little animals, and what we named our internet uh, Wi-Fi is Kitty City. But you know what I like about that hmm. is the city part implies joining a community mm-hmm. to me. So yeah. that would I would be able to identify that correctly as, oh, Kitty City. Oh, what's the password for Kitty City? Because I want to, I need to, I need to, I need to post something. It's yeah. got to be meow. Clearly no, it's, it's meow. not. But it is not it's meow. It's not, okay. That's me trying to hack into the system. I'm like, <laughs> meow? Damn it. <laughs> um, meow 69. Yeah, I, I feel. Meow 420. I, <laughs> meow one. No, none of those. <laughs> I bet if this person is a fan of yours, they're going to name their internet ZachNet. No, I don't want them to. I don't either. I feel like we could do better. I, I have a good idea. Yeah. Army of the Dead streaming on Netflix. <laughs> that's pretty. That's a reminder, <laughs> too, which is cool. <laughs> and it lets the neighbors know when they're getting online and yeah, that pops gotta. up. Especially if this person lives in an apartment complex and they see Army of the Dead streaming on Netflix. Maybe just Army of the Dead ampersand Netflix. Netflix at Army of the Dead. No, Army of the Dead should go first. Army of the Deadflix. Army of the Dead at Netflix. At Kitty City. (laughs) (laughs) I think that Maria should promote Army of the Dead. Okay? Okay. (laughs) <laughs> are you not comfortable with, with I mean, because this is free Look, promotion. We could be reaching anywhere from two to 200 people. I feel like at least four. So Yeah, but it could, she I'm could live to, in a large apartment oh, complex. Oh, that's true. People would always see it and be like, God damn it. I need to watch that. Yeah. Oh, what's the password? Meow see, we're going to get... We're going to get, <laughs> get 200 more views on Netflix because of this. I like it. Or, oh, I just had a last-minute thought. Oh, crap, uh-oh. crap fairy. 100% crap fairy. 100%? Okay. Because that would and be... Then, and then Army of the Dead at Netflix is the password. <laughs> yeah, or Army of the Dead at Netflix, and then the password is crap fairy. Yeah. Well, and then... Then it could be that embarrassing moment when um, somebody oh, right. has to get into something and then they're like, what is the password? And, you, <laughs> and you, <laughs> you have to say with your bad breath, it's crap fairy. It's, it's crap, crap fairy. It's crap fairy. It's, did you say crap fairy? And you make them say it super loud. You know, yeah. Yeah. Right, I, think, I, I think we solved you it. Nailed yeah. That. It's, yeah, it's, it's crushed. Army of the Dead at Netflix, password crap fairy. <laughs> and please write back in when you have that embarrassing moment when you have to share your password. Zach, thank you so much for um, joining me on Don't Ask Tig. It was oh a my real, God, thank you. real pleasure to so fun. to speak with you and see your mug. Will there be a, any sort of premiere if people... There'll be a virtual premiere if we don't get our... Um, my hope was that we were going to build an IMAX screen in Las Vegas and just have the premiere in Vegas on an IMAX in some sort of some ridiculous casino. We can do anything. We can do anything. 
All right. So I'll see you in Vegas. We put our minds to it. Aside from Army of the Dead, you have two massive movies that I guess you could promote um, before we get out of here. Justice League is currently streaming on HBO Max. That came out on the 18th of March. And you can watch it there on HBO Max. And then on May 21st, you're going to want to see Army of the Dead because it's because Tig's the star, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I really am. I am the star. Um, And uh, thank you for for making me the star of that movie. It was, again, such a pleasure to work with you and talk to you and see you. I just think you're the best. Well, thanks for doing it. You are truly the best because I was sure you weren't going to do it. And when you said yes, I was like, are you kidding me? This is a huge coup. So thanks again. One more thing. I have a very special request for my listeners. Do you have a secret that you need my advice to deal with? What's the secret you have never verbalized to anyone? Maybe not even to yourself. I want to hear it. Call 833-275-8444, 833-ASK-TIG-4, and leave me an anonymous voicemail, and I might play it on the show. Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette, Shana Deloria, and Ryan Lohr. Our editors are Phyllis Fletcher and Beth Perlman. Executive producer, Lauren D. Engineering and sound mixing by Johnny Vince Evans and Eric Romani. Digital production by Christina Lopez. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Production support from Pizza Shark. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman, Lily Kim, and Alex Shafford. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. You can also follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky.
Hi, I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. (laughs) 